Please turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 1 through 5. You can also follow along on page 7 of your bulletin. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. This is the word of the Lord. It's a pleasure uh, to, well, first of all, good morning and happy Father's Day. Uh, it's a pleasure to uh, introduce and welcome a dear brother and friend, um, Pastor Reverend Dr. Uh, Douglas A. Logan uh, Jr. is a, um, apart from having the longest name in the history of the world, um, you know, he's, uh, he's a dear fr friend. Um, I got to tell you, uh, Doug Logan has spoken here at Metro more than any other person next to myself uh, and, and the other regular pastors that preach here. Um, he considers uh, this place home. The reason why is because he, his church actually uh, was the church that ordained me, uh, as well as uh, Pastor Tim Shin, and uh, he, they sent us off here um, as part of our sending church and community uh, when we launched Metro and officially became uh, what you call a particularized church uh, with real elders and, uh, and pastors. So uh, we're really grateful for Doug. Apart from that, he's just a, I mean, if not my best, you know, one of my closest friends. Um, it's, a, it's a dream to be able to retire together someday and to fade off into the sunset together. Uh, so, um, you know, he's uh, my, my son's uh, middle name is Logan for this reason. And uh, we just share so much of life together. You know, he is the president of Grimke Seminary, um, has a PhD, uh, and uh, not just in, in pastoral ministry, but in organizational development as a leader, and um, is currently, uh, as he makes a transition, the vice, a vice president at our network, X29. So he, has, he plays a number of roles, is a spiritual father to many, many church planters throughout the country, and um, has been a successful church planter himself. Uh, married to a wonderful woman named Angel Logan, who's sitting right here as well. Uh, it's just a pleasure to be able to have her here. And um, she just gave him the, a dirty look. <laughs> um, but we, uh, it's just a, a blessing to have uh, Doug and Angel here with us worshiping. Um, man, he's just a, a wonderful preacher. I just love sitting under him and hearing him preach, and he gets to share uh, the word uh, as part of our Pillars of Faith Today uh, series. He gets to wrap up that series with this word. Thank you. Uh, I want to welcome and introduce Doug Logan. Amen. Love you, boy. leaving stuff on the podium? It's probably Andrew. Well, it's good to be here, man. It is my honor to um, serve you, and I'm going to watch the clock today. You can start it. I'm ready. Well, you know, as um, having ordained Donnie and crazy old Tim and known them for years, um, when I look out at, the, at your faces, like I often say, um, it takes a pretty ridiculous person to believe that this can happen. A bunch of people would call him pastor, would change their whole life to be a part of a mission, spend millions of dollars on buildings and salaries, give up your life, and allow this community to be the community where his children are raised, loved, and live. It's a psychopath to do that. What do I mean? You have to believe that when a man plants a church and quits his job and says, God is going to raise up people and a community 
that are going to be my eternal family when all you have is a GoDaddy account <laughs> and a dream. It's a crazy person. I love crazy people. So when I look out at you, I think back to 06, 05, when Donnie said, one day we're going to have this. Look at you. You are the guy he dreamed about in 05 and 06 and 07. And because of the vision God gave him, these elders, this team, many of you, many of you have come to know Jesus because of it. Many of you have gotten married at Metro. Many of you have walked away from sin and bad relationships, drugs, alcoholism. So don't let church planning be this little thing. It's a huge, ridiculous thing. And the orchestrator God had you in mind, particularly in 04, in 05, in 06, when he was working in Donnie's heart to believe that East Falls could be reached and then on across the bridge to Cherry Hill. So, we need to take a second because probably that didn't hit you before like that. Um, and I know that y'all are sort of bootleg Presbyterians, but can we give the Lord praise for what God has done to create Metro and Metro Cherry Hill? Amen, amen. Amen, amen. One little note in light of being super serious. Hannah Kim was lip syncing during worship. I think she should be removed from the team. I think she should be removed. That's just my vote. I'm not necessarily a member, but if I were, I would vote her out. Well, I've been tasked to preach, um, and because I did that, I deserve more minutes because that wasn't my sermon. Um, but I want to honor my wife. Um, we've been married close to 30 years. We have three sons, all adults and married, three daughter-in-laws, three grandkids, and one great-grand, Giovanni Adian, um, who is a crazy little joker, very loud. Um, and when I'm on FaceTime, I yell at him, and he yells back and licks the phone. So, um, um, but I love you, babe. She's been with me through North Philly, Kensington, to North Philly, 25th and Airy, to um, Camden, New Jersey. Uh, we've been in some of the roughest hoods in America. And um, man, we're just chilling and happy. We went from seeing drug deals to seeing deer and possum in our new house in Virginia. So we have a few acres. So, But I've been tasked to preach from Romans. I hear there's been a series. Um, Dr. McCundala, my spiritual son, was here, and I heard he preached you happy. And, um, um, man, we want to jump in and stay in this Romans jaw and land the plane and... Um, and I'm honored that students of Grimkey, where I serve as president, are here. Andrew, who was on the drums, who I thought had zero rhythm. I was very shocked that he was playing. You can get a wife now, boy. When they hear that rhythm, somebody's going to try to push up on you today. I, I can feel it in Jesus' name. And, um, um, and Josh and Andrew and Brian, of course, I'll see tonight who are students of Grimke, and they preach through Romans. They did a very good job, and so I hope to stay within the vein of that. I didn't mean to say that, Andrew. It came out wrong. <laughs> That's a lie. I didn't mean to say that. So let's pray and jump in, because Melissa is already looking at me funny, because she's from the suburbs of New Jersey, and she's ready to get home. <laughs> Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you. We praise God for all that you're doing and all that you're going to do. Lord, um, I think about East Falls and Cherry Hill, Lord, we need more terrain to take for your name. Lord, I think about further out into Bucks County, Montgomery County. Lord, I think about Burlington County, New Jersey. God, give us multiple locations, not for swag's sake, but that people might enjoy the eternal swag of your spirit through conversion. 
So every metro site represents new converts. And so God, give us multiple sites for your glory. Now move us mightily in to this space, this time, for these people who have come with different issues, different challenges, different struggles that all need you. And God, for those who are here that don't know you, I pray that you would disturb their soul with your word right now, that you would make them uncomfortable, that you would make them, you would just disrupt their bootleg peace and force them and bring them and drive them to their knees that they might cry out, Lord, save me. Um, thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Passage has been read, prayer has been offered. I wanna jump right in. The title of my sermon is Spirit-Powered Resilience. Spirit-Powered Resilience. So, as we're in Romans chapter five, one through five, I want to walk us back, walk us back a little bit to get us to a place where we understand the pericope that we're in so that there's a landing and an understanding that you walk away with a comprehensive picture of what I'm trying to lay out today. Donnie, let me steal that water, just that water. I don't joke so much, I don't dried my throat up. Thank you. So, in chapters 1 through 4 in Romans, the Apostle Paul walks us through God's plan, God's power, and God's promises fulfilled all in Jesus Christ through both Jews and Gentiles. Though both Jews and Gentiles were under condemnation due to their sin, God has made a way for believers, those who trust Christ, to experience his comprehensive blessing in their lives now and forever. So vital. Romans 5, 1 through 5, then, is the segue that brings us into the reality of saving grace in Jesus and its effects in our present lives. In fact, the New American Commentary states this in verse 1, since we have been justified by faith. See, this is a summary argument of all the chapters up until this point, chapters one through four, since we have been justified by faith. See, what Paul is telling us now in verses one through five of chapter five is that since we have been justified by faith, the reality of the gospel means things for the believer. So our three ideas of, of the reality of our since we have been justified by faith is as follows. Of course, the text in which I'll be preaching today. We have peace with God because we've been justified by faith. We have access to his presence because we've been justified by faith. And we have a sure hope in his promise of sharing his glory. Simple journey. Let's walk it out. So, see, so I want to clear. I want to be clear. If we can grasp these realities, pastors and Christians, we will be empowered by the Spirit with an enduring resilience in life and ministry in Christ. An enduring resilience in life and ministry. Now this is super important in our current culture of deconstruction. Deconstruction is the picture of a lack of resilience and often a lack of belief from the very beginning. Remember people, people don't lose their salvation People just show forth a somewhat bootleg salvation because they can be in the proximity of Jesus, but not in the presence of Jesus through salvation. But proximity, Judas was in proximity, but he was never experienced the authentic presence of Jesus through faith in him. So deconstruction is, a, is the evidence of a lack of an enduring reality that Jesus gives to those who trust him. This is important for us. This is the Christian struggle with doubt and um, struggle with, with trusting Christ through the hard days and the hard times. This is the source, the lack of belief that God is gonna be with us to the end is often the source of our anxiety. It's often the source of our panic attacks. It's often the source of our struggles with drinking too much because we wonder if Jesus will be there. We've been abandoned a lot, 
by multiple people, multiple concepts, multiple ideas, but yet it's hard because we then try to apply that to Jesus. Let me be clear. Jesus' spirit is the only enduring reality that'll take us from this earth to eternity. You can bank on that. It is true. It is real. That's what it is. I don't care who lied to you. Jesus will be with you. Clean and dirty, F and A, all nations, kindreds, and tongues, history, past, and present, Jesus is the enduring reality for the broken human to make him whole. Amen? So let's walk this out as verses 3 through 5 flesh out the endurance that, he, that Jesus provides. So let's get right to it, Metro. First, we have peace with God. Verse 1. We have peace with God. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me. Spirit power resilience flows from the reality of our peace with God because of our justification by faith. We have peace with God through his power to justify sinners. See, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. See, remember that peace is not the absence of hostility. No, rather the comprehensive reconciliation and eternal hope of God conquering our greatest enemy, sin, forever. You need to catch that. Peace is not a ceasefire between two people who take a break when they're fighting. That's not peace. But the absence of hostility replaced with comprehensive reconciliation is authentic peace. And this is what Paul is driving. We don't have some bootleg peace, but we have peace that has been, all the wrath has been applied to Jesus so that the peace, the ceasefire, the authentic peace treaty has been established in the blood of the Lamb. We have peace with God. Peace is a posture also that is most exemplified on the cross. When one of the other criminals attempts to talk to Jesus off the cross. He tries to talk Jesus down from the cross because he wants Jesus to create a bootleg cross, a bootleg piece on Golgotha's hill through raising up and not laying down. See, the, the thief on the cross said, Jesus, why don't you get down, raise up on these murderers that are crucifying us? and save yourself and save us. That was bootleg peace. That thief couldn't see the eternal reality that the wrath that would be applied to all humans if Jesus doesn't lay down. If Jesus tried to get up off the cross, then none of us would have peace, but the peace came through him laying down, not rising up. The rising up would come a couple of days later, but first he had to lay his life down because that's authentic peace, not bootleg peace. Why? Because Jesus knows the promise that if he is lifted up from the earth, he'll draw all men unto himself. That he knows that no one takes his life, but he lays it down as a ransom for many, willingly as a volunteer. That in the garden, God said that the seed of a woman would crush the head of the serpent and that the serpent would be destroyed and there would be a real peace with God and that the serpent would never usurp or overtake the peace that God would offer. He knows the promise that this cup will never pass. He asked, Father, if it be your will, this cup will never pass, that this cup might pass. And it was not God's will that the cup would pass. The cup would not pass. He would drink the wrath of God for us. He would drink the whole, he would drink the full bowl of wrath, lick the bowl, and die a gruesome death for people who should have been drinking death. Look what God does to create peace. Peace comes through pain of the cross. Peace comes through the problem of sin. Peace comes through the person of peace, Jesus the Christ. All other peace is bootleg. All other ground is sinking sand. This wrath had an eternal purpose. It had you and me in mind. It wasn't for a ceasefire, but it was a reconciliation between sinful humans and a holy God. 
It was a removal of the hostility, an eviction of evil. See, people try to create situational peace in order to find rest for their souls. What situational peace? Better job, better savings, more secure alarm system, getting fit at the gym, better diet, healthy relationships, etc. None of that peace will give you rest for your souls. None of that is bad. Keep doing that. But it's, it's earthly peace, not an eternal one. Other types of peace, cultural and society resilience says this. I just Googled some stuff and I put in What's, what's enduring peace? Here's a quote. Man never made any material as resilient as the human spirit. Man never made. Awesome. The human capacity for burden is like bamboo, far more flexible than you'd ever believe at first glance. Mm, interesting. Here's another one. Resilience is the ability to attack while running away. Resilience is very different than being numb. Resilience means you experience, you feel, you fail, you hurt, you fall, but you keep going. You see this societal, sociological, dumb concept that peace would be presented at us apart from Christ. We're like bamboo. I don't know about you, but when I've had panic attacks, me thinking about bamboo didn't help me. I'm like bamboo. I'm like the darkest bamboo they ever made and the weakest bamboo ever made. If you've had a dark night and a dark day, if you've experienced loneliness and sense of abandonment, maybe you've been molested as a child or abandoned, by your parents, maybe you lack a dad on Father's Day, and this ain't a great day for you because your dad was a bum, like mine was for many years. None of these quotes help your soul this morning. Not one of them. They all lack authentic hope. Ultimately, they lack authentic peace. People try. Neither will works righteousness work. People will try it, though, because you cannot work enough to be righteous. That's why chapters 1 through 4 says none of us can have comprehensive eternal peace that lasts beyond the grave in and of ourselves or by manipulating our circumstances. See, sometimes we spiritually manipulate because we use Christian words that have no eternal value. We bootleg it. We can see that throughout the church from, from the um, prosperity gospel to some of the word of faith movements, to some of this cliche Christianity, all these bootleg concepts, they don't actually create peace because their work's righteousness. They're not rooted in resting in the finished work of Jesus. See, people try to create situational peace in order to find rest for their souls. They just do. They just do. But none of that peace will be rest for your souls. Dr. Tony Evans says this, when we allow our faith to be defined by our feelings, we will be confused. Faith must have an object, objective standard by which it is defined, truth. In fact, when faith operates by an objective standard of truth, it will eventually dictate our emotions rather than the reverse. I love your feelings. They ain't your daddy. I got feelings too. They not my daddy. And they're not my peace. Hear me in the right way. Allow this to be a cultural hood statement. I don't care about your feelings. Let me be on my Ben Shapiro gospel. My facts don't submit to your feelings. The fact that Jesus has created peace for you doesn't submit to you not feeling like you have it. If you're in Christ, your feelings have been settled. The text declares, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice the alreadiness, Doug Logan word, of the text. 
See, notice he says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have obtained. So look at the already peace that you have in Christ, Christian. Look at the, what you've already obtained, the alreadiness of the text. You can already boast, the text says. You can already stand. This ain't no after death, after the trouble passes peace. Nah, this is an already present, actual, real peace that you have in this life, on this earth, right this very moment, as Jesus is nudging the Father, making intercession for you right now. It's an already peace that Jesus has provided. This ain't no layaway peace. This ain't no get it after graduation peace. This is a right now peace because you got right now problems. You got right now predicaments. You got right now bondage. You got right now anxiety. So Jesus doesn't get you an after you get over it peace. He gives you a present in problem peace. What a good father. What a good father. So I want to tell you to embrace it, walk in it, praise God for it. Let it transform your fears. Therefore, if any man in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and the new has come. If any man in Christ, he is a new creation. You need to drink that. You need to embrace that. You need to realize if you're in Christ, all things have been made new. There is no carryover. Butterflies don't hang with caterpillars after they're transformed. Butterflies don't have book bags with caterpillar skins holding on to the past just in case they run into a fly-looking caterpillar that they can change back. You no longer crawl into sin as a sinful caterpillar. You've been transformed. You fly with transformed butterflies never to go back if any man in Christ, he is a new creation not a refurbished one, not a made over one. This ain't no HGTV piece. This is a new piece. This is a restored reality. What does restoration look like before I get to my second point? If we try to restore this old piece of wood here, some of us would sand it down. Put some new, go to Home Depot and get some and reset it and it'll be shiny and nice. You know how God restores this? He turns it back into a tree. See, the restoration God gives is comprehensive. It sees beyond what the human eye can see because the human eye often can't see out of this situation because it lacks authentic peace. But the peace that God provides gives you eyes to see what you can't see. And it gives you a patience to wait on the day that we, our glass, will click his glass in the new kingdom. It can see that day. So why do we preach every week? Because we are the commercial leading to the motion picture when that happens. You watch commercials to all your movies. You watched all the trailers. All we are in this life is a trailer leading to the motion picture of the presence of the living God. That's why we preach. That's why we scream. That's why we sing. That's why we spend millions. That's why we quit our job because we want to make sure you know you are not trapped. Your present predicament is not your permanent position. Your present predicament is not your permanent position, but you have a peace with God that only comes through Christ. You don't deserve it. He just gave it to you for free. It's a hookup. Embrace it. It's yours in Christ. My second idea. They're all much shorter now. I see you looking at me funny, Cherry Hill. People on live stream are going to say, who is he talking to? Our access to his So the second idea is we have access to his presence. The first is we have peace with God. The second is we have access to his presence. Verse 2, look what it says. We also have obtained access through him by faith into this grace in which we stand and boast in the hope of the glory of God. We have access to his presence. Our access to his grace-filled presence, 
through him by faith empowers us, the church, those who believe, to endure in ministry and in this life. See, when the going gets rough and when the bills get tight, when there's conflict on left and right, you can rejoice as the song says, hallelujah, I'm not alone. He's my comfort, always holds me close. See, Christian, you can endure in this life by the power of the Spirit. Why? Because God is with you. I want you to let that sit because that can become common and not actual and not amazing because we say that all the time. God is with us. The Holy Spirit rests in us. And we're like, well, we sort of suck sometimes. Maybe he doesn't. No, he does. Why can you endure all things? Why can you be resilient even after problems and predicaments? Because God is with you. He's your resilience. He brings you back. He gives you that snapback reality. Not you, not your swag. You have no swag. Your swag will burn in hell. Jesus deals with people two ways. He saves them and makes them brothers or he lets them go to hell and be gone forever. So the only resilience that we can have flows from a resurrection of a real redeemer. It's the only way. So when the going gets tough, remember, his presence is with you. Well, I don't feel it, Pastor Doug. I, I, I don't care if you don't feel it. You got too many feelings. They just control you, huh? Let them feelings go and read the Bible. And let the text say what it says. We have obtained access, already obtained access through him by faith into the grace in which we stand. We boast in hope of the glory of God. He is present in carne, in the flesh is where we get the word incarnation. Incarnation means local and present. He's local with the believer and the church and he's constantly ever present. He never taps out. The Bible says he never sleeps nor slumbers. He's with you. You need to look at me. He's with you. I don't feel he's with me. I don't care. He's present with you. He's helping you from danger seen and unseen. You probably drove past three people texting that tried to kill you, and somehow God moved the text around to keep you alive. Some of you have had sicknesses, and you can't believe you made it out, but look what God did. Some folk couldn't get pregnant, but look what God does. Why? Because he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's not Johnny come lately. He's not State Farm. He don't show up after the accident, but he's the steering wheel to cause you from, to not crash. But we often don't see God like that. We see him like the insurance adjuster that comes after the total loss. And then we're trying our best to get a check to replace it. This is how God replaces stuff. He prevents you from being foolish and you losing it through his spirit constantly convicting you away from ridiculousness. The Holy Spirit can be much like a choker chain on a dog. You can go so far that he snatch your little raggedy tail back. I'm not calling you a dog. Don't hear that. Here, God's grace has these beautiful boundaries where he trains and teaches within a construct and a reality so you don't go out there and get yourself snapped up in ridiculousness. Why? Because he's present in the spirit. We continue in peace because of his presence with us. In Christ, the promise of Deuteronomy 31.8 is ours. The Lord is the one who will go before you, the text says. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, Christian. He will never leave you nor abandon you. He has brought you into his very presence behind the veil forever. This means that we get a backstage pass to the very presence of God. The blood of Jesus is the red carpet to the very presence of God, if you pay attention to the text, during um, Jesus' crucifixion, 
The Bible says that there was the curtain. Now, this curtain represent a veil over the holiest of holies where only the priest could enter. And so the Bible says that at Jesus' crucifixion that the curtain was torn. But we miss a, 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 a theological, exegetical detail. The Bible says it was torn from top to bottom. That's interesting because the top would be about as high as there. Ain't no dude and had no ladder and got up there and ripped that. That was ripped from by God from top to bottom to show forth his atoning work that he tears the veil. And now we don't need a priest to go year in and year out, but we have become a kingdom of priests. Why? Because of his presence. The presence is available to those in Christ. Top to bottom. That wasn't no trick. That was the eternal God putting the meticulous detail in the text so that you would know that everything you are and everything that you will be is designed meticulously by God. No happenstance. No, it just happened. No, God meticulously worked his atoning work to save you at the very moment. He particularly put you and your mom, your mama and your daddy together and she caught the twinkle of his eye at the right time. Particularly, she had him drinking the right drink to make him look the right way. That's how God does. And then he makes people and puts people around people at particular times, meticulously. No happenstance. This is all the plan of God. And how does he work us together? It's by his holy presence in us. It's a lot of row homes in North Philly and Philadelphia, a lot of abandoned ones. Most of them are condemned. You need to see yourself as a dirty row home condemned with bodies in it, bones in it, roaches in it, floor dropped out. And yet God walks in and takes resident in your life, in your heart. He takes resident in abandoned, condemned buildings because that's what we are apart from Christ, abandoned, condemned buildings waiting to be torn down in hell. But Jesus shows up and he says, and I can fix this. And I'm not going to renovate it. I'm going to make it all new. And then I'm going to live there until they come live with me in my home. In my father's house of many mansions. If it were not so, I would not have told you. So we go from these mansion row homes to an eternal mansion with the eternal God of all nations, kindreds, and tongues. I love Juneteenth. Won't need it in heaven, though. Christian, in times of trouble, whose presence are you abiding in? And let me say this. Don't forget experientially where you are definitively. See, experientially, you think you're miserable. But if you're in Christ, definitively, you have peace with God. Your experience, again, is not your daddy. God the Father is your daddy. So your father determines who you are, where you are, what your future is, not you. We have this Bible that has it set as to who we will be and how he's going to work in his presence. So don't forget experientially where you are definitively. You are hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3 says. You are hidden with Christ in God. God has put you in a sweet resting place apart from any death, disease, or demons that can get to you. You have been sealed. You've been locked up. You've been held together by God. Devil might try to get you. He can't. Sin might try to control your mind. It can't. I've been hidden in Christ, hidden away from any harm that can come to me from this world. I'm hidden in Christ. How? Because he's, he's public in me. I'm hidden in him. What a God. What a God who's not scared to pull up on condemned row homes and make them new houses. That's good gentrification right there. My last point, and I'm going to get us out of here because I'm, I'm sweating like I've been playing basketball. 
and y'all looking at me crazy. I ain't got no amens except from the African-American lady. I thought y'all was multicultural. I forgive you. So we've got peace with God. Angel, you ain't gave no amens today. Can you say one? Just say amen out loud real quick. I need to make sure. Say amen, please. I'm going to have to pay for that one later. And Kimbo Slice, you ain't even said amen yet. My last idea. So first, we have peace with God through Christ. We get to experience his presence. I thought that was Donnie texting me, telling me to hurry up. <laughs> you know, he does that. <laughs> we have peace with God. We experience his presence through his spirit. And now we have a short hope of his promise of sharing in his glory. This is, this is so important for us in this culture. Verse 2 through 5. Let me read it. I'm sweating so bad I can't even see through these glasses. In the hope of the glory of God. That's 2B. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also boast in our afflictions because we know that affliction produces endurance. Endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope, this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has poured out, is, has been poured out, has been already in our hearts through the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, who was given already to us. We have a sure hope in his promise of sharing in his glory. See, we boast in the hope of the promise of the glory of God. We boast that the lowland of sorrows that we live in on this earth is not our final destination. That's where we boast. This is the telos of the text. This is where we're going. This brings out the eschatological hope. Eschatological, that end time hope. This means we're not trapped here, but we have a sweet chariot that is gonna swing low and pick us up and take us from this lowland of sorrows. So we agree with Psalm 30, verse 5, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning for the believer, and, <coughs> and what we see is not final. The empty grave and the resurrected Jesus has final say. He is our telos. He already is victorious for us. We can follow him today, living out his way in a hostile land as we wait for the blessed hope of the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13. And Romans 5.5 5 tells us definitively that this hope will not disappoint us because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. This hope will not disappoint. It has a telos to it. And that's why I'm so frustrated when I watch people preach at churches and they do type of stuff that makes heaven right now. They try to act like, when I talk about the alreadiness that we've all tamed, they try to act like we're already in heaven. We are not. We are dirty sinners on most days. Sanctification is the process. It's not already done. We have an alreadiness, but we have a not yetness too. So we're not yet in glory, but we will be. And so a lot of these pimp preachers want to pimp out this concept of, <coughs> oh, it's all right. Almost as if they're gods of some sort. This bootleg concept of peace with God. No, peace with God has a tell-off. I've got peace with him now that can't be taken. But one day... I will be with him in glory. One day, I don't have to settle for the hem of his garment. I will be able to wrap my arms fully around him. <coughs> One day, I won't cough again. I'm going to a place where no hearse wheels roll. One day, I'm going to be in place in a place where all nation kindreds and tongues, you know what they don't think about? All nation kindreds and tongues. 
We're not going to discuss race and glory. We're only going to be worshiping around Jesus. One day we're going to be around the throne where the elders lie prostrate, where the angels declare his glory, and you and me will be in the number. One day, that's the tell-off. But in this place, I fight and long for that day. Because Paul also tells me in Romans 8, for I consider the troubles of this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in those who believe. But there's a telos here. You know what that means. You might get depressed, struggle, hurt. You're going to experience death, wars, rumors of wars. But that doesn't move your peace anywhere. The peace that God gives through his justification helps you understand the pain of this present age. It helps you see it through the proper lens. See, when we look at the present problems of this world, we see it through the lens of the cross, not through the lens of human eyes that would move to fatalism and nihilism. No, sir, we see it all under the ultimate executive producer God. He has a plan for your pain. He has a plan for your problems. He's using it to energize you and fuel you to this obtaining to the not yet. Stop playing with your phone before I press charges. I'm preaching here. I ain't playing. The center of the spirit power resilience, verse 5, is God's love poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It is the love of God that brought about our peace with him. It is the love of God that brought us back into his presence. It is the love of God that has made a promise for us to share in his glory. God has poured out his love in our hearts by his spirit, Christians, so we can be resilient as we wait for a hope that is eternally sure. It's not an if, it's simply a when. And as we wait for the win, we can endure because we have his peace, his presence, and his promise. He's a promise keeper. He's not a deadbeat dad. He doesn't need a summons to pay his child support. He supports his children. He's never in the rears. This is what Paul says in verse 3 and 4. We boast in our troubles here and now because in Christ, what was intended against me actually works for me. For my endurance, for my proven character, to compound my hope. This hope will not disappoint, Christian. So like James 1, verse 2 and 4, count it all joy when you face various trials because you have a sure hope in Jesus. So your pain, don't run it too far. It is working you out. It is growing you stronger. It is reminding you of his promise, of his peace, and his presence. Your pain is designed by God to push you to the promise. His pain is designed to push you towards the peace of God. His pain is designed to make it to push you towards the promise of God. If he doesn't have pain, you know what you would do? You would say, God, take away all my pain and dismiss yourself afterwards. So he leaves this pain with you because he loves his children. He loves for them to be at his feet whining about pain. If you got pain, you know where you're going to be? At the doctor all the time. And if you're at the doctor all the time, you're always in his presence. You always experience his bedside manner. You always experience his care and his remedy. But if you're so healed, you'll stay your little raggedy tail out in these streets and forget that God saved you. Praise God for pain. Praise God for the pain of the cross that brought us peace. Praise God for the pain of the cross that bought his presence. Praise God for the pain of the cross that gives us the, the grace to stand on his promise. Thank God for it. I got to conclude. I'm past my time. Let me give you this example. See, if you watch Black Panther, he had this suit designed. And the suit was designed to take enormous hits from things. Y'all remember the suit, right? And when he would get hit, it would turn purple. I remember in the movie, he took a hit from a rhino. 
and the suit turned purple because it absorbed all the hits. See, the power is absorbed to then be used against the enemy. See, that's what suffering does for us. Our suffering is used as fuel that God uses for power to endure the enemy's attacks. So we don't run from the problems of pain, we cling to the promise. The promise means God is the suit who takes all our pain. Isaiah 53 told us it's by his stripes, it's by his wounds that we are healed. See, Jesus takes the purple suit, giving up all the pain. He takes off the purple suit, gives us all the power to fight in him, not on our own. Now, we, by his spirit, have the resurrection power of God in us. We don't need the purple juice. We have the Holy Ghost. So we can praise him through the pain of this world. By his spirit, we are built for this. We endure the posture. We endure with a posture of praise through the pain, all because we have peace with God and is brought into his presence and have a certain sure hope of his promise. We simply grip the promise as the promise grips us. We simply grip the promise as the promise gripped us, grips us. If you're here today and you have not met Jesus and you're unsure about his peace, his presence, and his promise, this is a good day to receive Christ as Savior. This is a good day to say, talk about a Father's Day. The greatest Father ever is our Father in Heaven. Not to be compared with your great dad. He ain't greater than our Father in Heaven. I had a pretty good dad, but if he had to measure up against the Father in heaven, there's no comparison. So what a Father's Day, if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that you might have the greatest father on Father's Day. Maybe you're unsure and uncertain. Maybe you think you've received Christ. Maybe you've been in the proximity and not the presence. What a great day to grab hold to his promise and to obtain his presence and his peace through Christ. Maybe there's one. Don't leave here without getting with this wonderful team. I think about Donnie, I think about um, Kevin and, and Josh and all these leaders. You don't have to come up front, we ain't gonna embarrass you. If we was at my church, I'll make you come up front and talk about your shoes or something. But today, I'm praying that God's spirit would disrupt your day until you receive him as savior. I'm praying that the word of God not Doug Loganism, will push you into the promise of God that you might receive him and be saved. And I'm praying also for those who believe that you re-embrace his promise, his presence, and his peace today as you repent of areas in your life that you know you're not embracing the gospel, that you would fully embrace the realities of Jesus' work, his finished work that provided you all you need from earth to eternity. Let's pray.